Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Amen, amen. Hey, welcome to church. How you guys doing? You made it. So glad that you're here. Let's welcome everybody online. Thank you, online family, for being here with us. Make sure you tell us where you're watching from in the chat. And also, there is a prayer button down to one of the sides here. And we'd love to hear how we can be praying for you, online family, as well. So happy Mother's Day, everybody. Thanks for being here. And uh, man, it's a, it's a huge deal that we get to celebrate the moms in the room. And I was just thinking that uh, as the church, as Christians, we celebrate things a little different than maybe the world around us. And, and uh, many times the, the holiday of Mother's Day, this isn't my sermon, but anyway, I was just thinking about this. The holiday of Mother's Day is all about, have you had a baby? Uh, but I was reading actually this week in Genesis 3 where um, God talks about Eve and describes Eve as the mother of all things living. What's really interesting about that is that he calls her that uh, before she has any children. And so there's this aspect of motherhood that's woven into the DNA of every woman in the room. And so uh, whether you have children or you don't have children, it really is a chance to celebrate you. Celebrate God, that God has uniquely designed you and he's uniquely equipped you to reflect his image in ways that I cannot. So uh, praise God for you. Praise God for the ladies in the room. And so I just encourage you today, just celebrate that God has made you who you are. And, uh, and just to live that out in the world around us. We, we need you to do that. We need you to be fully exactly how God has made you. And so just a great way to celebrate that. We are in a series to, uh, today called Survival Mode, which I think is fitting because some of you moms have been there, right? You've been in survival mode before. Some of you moms are like, uh, as soon as I started having children, I went into survival mode and I'm still in that place. And so it's just been a really great chance to talk about how God desires to give us a fullness of life that you weren't meant to simply exist and get through the day, that he actually wants to give you a life of abundance. Uh, he wants to give you what we have called the good life. And, and it may not be what you think. The good life is not something you acquire. It's not something you accomplish. It's actually something that God does inside of you. And he changes you so that you can experience everything that he has for you today. So I want to I wanna read Psalm 139. And actually, this is a pretty classic Mother's Day uh, part of the Bible, Psalm 139. But we're not doing the uh, you knit me together in my mother's womb part. We're actually talking about this, this part of the text where David's explaining how he can't leave the presence of God. That, that at no point in his life has he ever been somewhere that God is not. So I want you, as I read this text, to consider this for yourself, that Whatever you've been through, whatever brought you to this moment today, you have never been anywhere that God is not. So I want to read this for us. Verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So this is our text for the morning. And I want to start off by asking everyone in the room a question. Think of a moment in your life where you have wanted to run away. 
just want to think of any moment in your life where you've been like, I just want to get out of here. You, you mothers in the room have certainly been there. Um, you know, ha, have any of you ever been in a moment like this where you're kind of backing the car out of the garage and there are little like mini versions of yourself and they're running at you like zombies, like hair's all a mess, screaming at one another, like clawing at the window as you're rolling it up and you're trying to get out of the driveway and you think to yourself, I'm not coming back. I think I'm just going to put the car in gear and see where the cruise control takes me. So I, I know probably every parent in the room has been in a moment like that where you're like, I think I'm just going to run away from this. I think I want to get away from my life. I think we've all been there before. I was, if you know me, you might know this story, but a few years ago, um, I went to Lowe's. I was looking for some plywood, and it was kind of a last-minute purchase, you know, when you didn't really plan very well. And so uh, I'm walking around the store, find a piece of plywood that I need, and I realize that I don't have a pickup. I have an SUV. And, of course, like the, the uh, creative guy that I am, I'm like, we can fix this. And so I go up to the counter, and I'm like, do you, do you have anything to tie down a piece of plywood with? And they hand me this roll of bailing twine. And, uh, and like, like the redneck that I am, I'm like bailing twine, duct tape, that's all I need to fix all problems in the world. And so I got my bailing twine, I go out to the parking lot, and I tie this piece of plywood to the top of my blazer, and I just, I'm kind of hooking it on there, and I, some of you are like, you idiot, but I did a really good job, did a really good job with this bailing twine, I tied it on there really well, brought the roll back to him, and I, I, I pull out of the parking lot, I get out onto the highway, onto the old Glen, or the, no, the new Glen Highway, and I'm, I'm getting up to like 30 miles an hour, and I'm like, seems pretty good, you know, 35 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour, and I hit about 52 miles an hour, and I hear, bam, and I'm like, what just happened? And I'm looking around, and I'm like, what? Did it fall? And I look into my rearview mirror, and this thing has taken flight. It's like 30 feet in the air like a kite, flying on the highway, and, and, and it stands up vertical in the middle of the highway right in front of a school bus. And I kind of like blurt out like, God, please no. And then bam, the school bus runs through this sheet of plywood. There's splinters everywhere. The mirror comes falling off the school bus. He goes careening into the ditch. And in that moment, like without even thinking about it, every muscle in my ankle started tensing up, and I didn't even realize I was pushing the gas pedal. And I was like, <laughs> I look down, I'm doing 75 miles an hour, and I'm like, hold it, hold on, hold on. Because in my, in my heart of hearts, you know, here's what I thought, get me out of here, right? I just want to run. And so uh, I'll be, so you'll be proud of me. I turned around, I came back. And uh, no children were harmed in this incident. It was, uh, it was actually a mechanic that was test driving the bus. So, uh, yeah, he was over there just like, what just happened, you know? So my deductible took a hit. The children did not. We're all fine. But it was one of those moments in life where I look back and I'm like, I just wanted to run, you know? I don't, I don't need this deductible. I don't need this bill. I don't want to deal with this. I've got plenty in my life to worry about. I'm just going to hit the gas and run. And I'm sure on Mother's Day, there's some mothers that have felt this way, but I think everybody in the room have been in a situation where you just wanted to escape. And, and I would say that when we get into a survival mode situation, one of our most natural instincts is something we call escapism. And I would define escapism this way. It is creating a mental diversion from the unpleasant or boring aspects of daily life. Now, now, some of you have created mental diversions. Other, others of you, when you've dealt with something hard, have actually physically kind of separated yourself from that and run away. But what does this look like 
to create mental diversions from the unpleasant or boring aspects of daily life. I think some things are more obvious when, when we're using a, a form of escapism, right? Like, like what used to be a glass of wine a week turned into a glass of wine a day, which turned into a glass of wine while you were working during COVID, right? right? Which none of you did that because you're all a bunch of good Christians in the room. But some people out there, right, were drinking on the job during COVID, and you know that you were just bored out of your mind, and you were just trying to get through the day. You're trying to escape from that moment. Maybe for you, it's drugs. Maybe for you, oh, Brian, it's just weed, right? But you're, you're smoking because you're trying to kind of like just get away from this moment and feel a little bit lighter, and so you, you're using a substance to try to escape from life. Maybe you're overeating, and food is a way of escaping for you. You just feel better and medicate through food. Maybe that's the thing for you. Or, or you're playing video games, right? You're playing Xbox all night long, and it's just you get into another world, and it's a way to feel like you're not actually experiencing the struggle. Uh, some of you, for, for you, it's daydreaming. This is me. <laughs> I can daydream with the best of them. I can be looking right in your eyes and nodding my head, and I'm in Maui. Like, I'm in, I'm somewhere. I'm not even with you, and I'm smiling. Like I can get into a different world through daydreaming. Uh, for some of you, it's relationships. And you're, you're using relationships to get away from something, to escape from the feeling of being single. And so, uh, so th- that's, that, that's now your motivation for relationships. And how many of you know, whether you're married or, or maybe dating, that just avoiding being single is not going to create a healthy relationship? Like you won't choose the best guy or girl when your whole goal is just not to feel single, Right? And it's also a bad way to be married, right? One day your wife asks you, like, honey, do you love me? And you say, well, it's better than being single, right? Like, that's not going to go over well on Mother's Day or any day of the year, right? That's a bad motivation for any kind of relationship. If you're trying to avoid something, that's a bad motivation for it. And ultimately, it's going to take something that maybe God would give you as a gift and turn it into something that's damaging in your life. And this is what happens through the idea of escapism. So is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Like, can you deal with life? Is it even possible to go through life without having some escapist behaviors, right? Because life is hard. Let's admit it sometimes. And we all, once in a while, want to just get away from it all, right? In fact, I was reading a quote this week from a famous Austrian neurologist and atheist, Sigmund Freud. He says this, He says, humans cannot subsist on the scanty satisfaction they can extort from reality. In his mind, he's like, he's looking at the world from not a Christian perspective, and he's like, you know what? You can't exist on what the world has to offer, which I'm just like, dude, you are one step away from acknowledging that there's a God, right? You are one step away from acknowledging that, yes, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy you, only Jesus can do that for you. But he's acknowledging that like there's there's this experience we call life and it's just really stinking hard sometimes. And there's a lot of pain and, and once in a while we just want to get away from it all. So I want you to think about your life. Take a quick audit of the way you live, the way you spend your time and your energy, whatever it is. If it's like, okay, I escaped through Facebook and you're just scrolling through, you know, Facebook which, honestly, you already feel bad enough about your life. You don't need to feel worse by going to Facebook, right? But that's the things we tend to do. I want you to ask this question. Am I running or am I resting? Am I running or am I resting? Because rest is a good thing. Uh, We always at ACF Church believe in resting. We talk about the Sabbath and how uh, God gave us this idea of rest and that you weren't meant to just kind of be producing all the time. 
that you were meant to slow down and rest. What is good resting? Like a walk after a long, hard day. That's just going out for a walk. That's good rest. You want to maybe sit down and watch a rerun of, you know, The Office. And uh, that's what we'll do sometimes. We just need to get out of our heads for a minute, watch some, you know, some TV. And that's okay. A couple episodes. Going on a vacation can be a form of rest. Some of you playing a video game or reading a book or doing some writing or having a glass of wine in the end can be a form of rest. But at some point, it's not, right? At some point, we're escaping. And so here's how you can tell. Is that if you're leveraging an activity or an action to amplify the voice of God in your life, you are resting. I'll say that again. If you are leveraging an activity or an action to amplify the voice of God in your life, that is healthy rest. That's something God wants for you. Is that you're, you're meant to slow down so that you can hear God. Because I have a noisy mind. I don't know if you do. Some of you right now, you cannot even listen to what's going on in the room because your mind is just it's running 100 miles an hour. You're worrying about this and worrying about that and thinking about this issue and that thing. And, and whatever it is in your mind, you have a noisy mind. And so you are unable to hear the voice of God. That's what rest is about. Slowing down to amplify, to make louder the voice of God in my life. If you're doing that, then you're resting. And that's something God can honor. But oftentimes we do the opposite, right? We're drawn to things and we choose to pour our life into things, not to make God's voice louder, but to make it quieter. So that we might hear less of God and deal less with the inner monologue and deal less with the problems in our lives. Isaiah 55, 2 says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, God says. Hear that your soul may live. Think about those words. Hear that your soul might live. So the life of abundance, the good life, the life you're looking for comes through hearing the voice of God. It comes through fully feeling the things of life and then hearing God's voice amidst those things, not from numbing and escaping from those things in life. I love this text. Basically, God's saying, come get your fill of me. I'm like a banquet and a delicious meal for a starving soul. I'm everything you need. Why do you spend your money and your labor on things to escape from me? when really I am right there, ready to pour out my grace on your life. So I want you to think again, where am I escaping? Where am I running from God? There's two types of escape. I think there's a healthy version and an unhealthy version. The unhealthy version I would call like a fearful escape, which is running from difficult things. Now, when I wake up in the morning, if, if I'm going to spend some time in prayer, what you will find, if you were to listen into what's going on in my mind, is that almost all of my prayers are about God making my life less difficult. And I would say most people in the room don't wake up in the morning and go, God, would you just pour on the difficulty? Would you make my life harder? Like, most of us don't pray that. And that makes sense, and there's nothing wrong with that. The reality is most of us want to avoid difficult things. The problem is this. You see, God is near to the brokenhearted. If you read the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, right? Those who are suffering, God is near to those who are experiencing difficulty. So think about that. We resist the thing that actually tends to open us most to the presence of God in our lives. Because I'll be honest, I don't tend to get on my knees to seek the face of God 
when I'm sitting on a beach somewhere sipping a Mai Tai, right? Like, I'm not like, man, we should just stop and pray. We should just listen to God. It's, it's, it's when it's hard, it's when it's difficult that I, I seem to reach out for God and listen to his voice more clearly, right? Fearful escape, running from difficult things because the reality is we all run to something when it gets difficult. Do you know that what you run to when life gets difficult is ultimately the thing that you worship? Whatever it is that you run to, Whatever it is that you are escaping to is the thing that you actually give the most power in your life. It's the thing that you hope will save you. That's what we all do. We all reach out to whatever we think will save us when life is hard. And it might be, it might be one of these escapist behaviors, but for us as believers, what we want it to be is God himself so that we can be near to him and he can be near to us. And this is the hope for those who are in Christ, is if you're here today and you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, my question for you is, what do you do when life gets hard? What, 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 is, what is your option when things are just absolutely terrible? I was reading uh, an article from a doctor this week, um, and she trains people on how to deal with difficult things. Um, and and she, from the article, clearly she's not a follower of Jesus based on what she said in this article, but she trains people on how to deal with the hardest things in life. Like, man, you're dealing with the most difficult, grueling, hard things in life. So she starts to explain to, to, to people who are reading this article, this is what I do when I'm dealing with the most grueling, difficult, hardest things in life. And this is how she trains people. And this is what she says. She says this, when things get rough for me, I turn to Disney. Which this isn't a commentary on Disney, by the way. This is just as a side note. There's a whole other thing going on culturally right now. But this is what she's saying. When things get rough for me, I turn to Disney. A bad day at work, I go to Disney. An argument with a friend or family member, go to Disney. My daughter has a bad day at school, dinner at Disney's. Birthdays, Disney. Family celebrations, Disney. It doesn't matter if something is terrible and needs to be forgotten or it's fantastic and needs celebrating. We always go to our happy place, Disney. So this is the reality. This is the idea of positive thinking. Positive thinking. This is your only option. Apart from God, when life just stinks, what are your options? Just think positive. Go to your happy place. And now I'm, gonna, I'm not going to totally bash positive thinking because Philippians 4 talks about this idea of like whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, uh, ruminate on these things, that there's something about controlling your thoughts that can help us in life. But can I just uh, propose to you that positive thinking will not fix your problems? Can, can I just propose that? Like, like if you run me over in the parking lot today and I break my leg, I can't just be like, just think positive. My leg is still broken. It will not change my reality to just simply think positive. But this is kind of the best we have. And I'm not bashing on this lady, but this is really the only option to believe in the world around us is just go to your happy place. Can you imagine if that's all I had for you here today? Like you're dealing with a terrible thing in life. You come to church and I'm just like, here's what I'm going to do for you. Go to your happy place. You would leave here so hopeless and so uh, just lost in feelings of like there is no way to move forward if that's all that we can do. Praise God that we don't have a happy place. We have a Savior. We have Jesus. He's real, and he's, he's here for you, and he's, he's the one to run to when you feel like escaping. Is run to Jesus. And, you know, this is the reality in the world around us is we're not teaching people to deal with difficult things and to just look them in the eye. We're just teaching people to go to your happy place. 
Like we're teaching college students, like just go to a safe space. Don't deal with people who, 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 who give you difficult things or disagree with you. The narrative right now is this. If somebody diff uh, dis disagrees with you about some kind of topic, then they are literally doing violence to you as a person and you must avoid them. So, oh, you don't agree with me as a Christian? You've done violence to me. And so then we don't have a dialogue. We don't get to grow together, have a real discussion where we could actually learn from one another. I would love to learn from one another. And this is, but it's keeping us from growing as people and actually, I think, experiencing God in some powerful ways is that we avoid all difficult things. We live in a culture of trigger warnings on everything, right? Everything is a trigger warning. And just in the past 10 years, I've noticed this kind of elevating is that God forbid we feel uncomfortable. So everything's got a trigger warning slapped on it. But do you know this? Like, if you read the Bible, I promise you, you will be triggered. If you read the Bible and you are not triggered, I promise you, you are not reading the Bible, okay? I'm going to start printing Bibles with, like, trigger warning. Because literally the whole book from beginning to end is going to trigger you. Because when you read this, for me, when I read this, I have sin in my heart. I have, I have things that I'm prone to that are not of God. I have temptations in my life. I have opinions that don't align with God's opinion. So when I read the word of God, I go, I don't agree with that. Man, I don't see myself that way or I don't see the world that way. And, and I have to deal with the discomfort of disagreement to read the word of God. And if you're just like, no, I don't want to be triggered, then you will actually keep yourself from the truth. The scriptures will trigger you. Church will trigger, like, if I'm preaching and you're listening, you better leave here triggered because the truth will trigger, but the truth will set you free, right? And so I'd rather be triggered and set free than avoiding difficult things and left in bondage. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather do that? And so let's lean into difficult things. Let's, let's not run away from hard things and just run to our happy place. Let's run to Jesus and let's let him be the savior of our souls. So there's a better type of escape, and the Bible does encourage a certain type of escape, and I would call this godly escape, which would be tapping into the grace needed to face and overcome difficult things. You know what's better than avoiding difficult things? Overcoming them. Have you ever overcome something just terrible, and then at the other side of this been like, I wanted to quit the whole time, but I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad I persevered through the difficult things because something in my soul deepened because of it. Like something in my soul opened up because I went through something hard. Because the temptation, once again, is always to run away. The temptation is to avoid difficult things at all costs, to just run from the life that God has given you, good or bad. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will always provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. So God's promise to you is whatever you walked into church with here today, is that by his power and through his grace, it's not too much for you. Now, on your own, it is too much for you. On your own, you can't overcome the difficult things in life. All you have is your happy place. But with Christ, it is not too much for you. He says, I will give you everything you need to overcome the difficult things in life and to resist the temptation to run. 
That's what I read in that text, man. I know it's a temptation to run. I know it's easy to try to get out of this, to try to numb yourself to the hard things of life, but I am in the hard things. I am present in the difficulty, and I will give you everything you need to see my face through the moments that are just unbearable. And to claim that life is too much and to run away is to claim that God is not faithful to his word. Because he just promised, I will give you whatever you need, that it is never too much by my power. I will give you what you need to endure it. So it is in you to walk through whatever you're in the middle of. I want you to hear that today. It is inside of you by the power of God to walk through whatever you're in the middle of. And Jesus says, I promise that to you. It's your job to tap into it. Will you tap into your happy place or will you tap into Jesus? Will you run to escape the hard things in life or will you escape temptation and run to Jesus? And that's my encouragement to us today. I want to go back to Psalm 139 and just kind of give us some ways to step forward. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I go up to the heavens, you are there. I make my bed in the depths, you are there. This is written by a man named David who, uh, if you study the life of David, you see that this man had some problems. Some problems. And uh, all kinds of external problems, internal problems, sin in his own heart, mistakes that he just felt terrible for. I mean, he is an emotional roller coaster, which is why I love David, because we can all relate to him. And he says, you know what I've found out? So I've found that whether I'm on the mountain or in the valley, God is always there, no matter what. That my circumstances don't determine the proximity of God. The tendency, once again, is to say when I'm on the mountain, God is there, but when I'm in the valley, he is not. But when I read the Bible, it seems more like God is especially present in the valley. Seems like God is especially working in the valley, and we are more aware of his presence. This text is, speaks to an aspect of who God is, and the theological term is omnipresence. The omnipresence of God is just the reality that God exists at all times, in all spaces, everywhere. That is God. He exists at all times, in all places, everywhere. That is who God is. He's omnipresent. So I want you to think, how does it make me feel that I can never get away from the presence of God? How do you feel about that? Because where you're at with this God determines how you feel about that reality, doesn't it? Where you're at with this God determines how you feel. If you feel good, like, oh man, it's so great that I can't escape the presence of God. Some of you are like, oh man, I wish I could escape the presence of God. (laughs) Have you ever done something and wished you could escape the presence of God? I think we've all been there, right? Like we live in a world of microphones and cameras. Do you know that? You're on camera right now. It's cameras, microphones. There's 300 microphones in this room. You've all got one in your pocket, right? It's listening to all of us, you know? Uh, In my house, if I talk about, like, buying chocolate at the store, I get on Facebook, and all of a sudden, 10 ads for chocolate, you know? Like, Siri's over here listening. My Amazon Alexa's listening. You know, the, the ring doorbell's watching me. I don't know who else is watching that, but it's watching me. I mean, there's cameras absolutely everywhere. I want to ask you a question. When you think about that reality, there are cameras on you at all times. Does it make you more or less comfortable? Most of us less. Most of us like, I don't like that idea that I'm always being watched, right? Now compare that reality to um, when Amanda and I first had our first child, Cadence. One of the first things we bought was a baby monitor. And uh, so we put this camera up in our child's crib. Didn't seem weird to us, right? And the purpose of a baby monitor is like to check on your child, right? Like, 
Like a mom would put this in the child's crib because she's like, I want to make sure that she's okay. Make sure she's breathing. I want to make sure that she's not crying and make sure like I, know, I can take care of her and all of these things. The, the, the point of the camera is so that I can care for this child, right? Now, why does one camera make us comfortable and the other doesn't? Like nobody ever went into our house, saw the baby monitor, saw the camera, and was like, do you know that this is a breach of that child's you know, uh, security and safety. Like, you know, that like she needs her own space and like, man, this is just freaky that you're watching her all the time. Nobody ever said that because they knew that the intentions of a parent is to care for a child. And so our presence is all about providing. It's, about, it's all about love, right? You see, that it really is all about this. If you're not comfortable with the presence of God, it's because you question the intention of the one who's watching. The reason we're not comfortable, cameras all over. So we question the intentions of those who are watching. We're like, I don't think you want what's best for me. I think you want what's best for you. God's not that way, though. You can trust the intentions of the God who is always watching. He is always watching for your betterment, to watch over you, to care for you. And so don't miss this big idea for us today. It's this, by running away from difficulty, I believe you are running away from the deeper life God has for you. Do you want a deeper life, or do you want to just exist? I want a, I want a deeper life. I, I see people, and sometimes I've been in seasons where I'm just literally getting through the day, but what I want is a deeper life. Like, nobody wakes up in the morning is like, I want to be more shallow, have, have superficial relationships, and leave a really weak legacy in the world. But yet we kind of align our lives toward those things. We run from the presence of God. We run from intimacy with others. We run from the things that are difficult that are actually going to provide a lasting legacy in the world. See, by running from the presence of God, you are running away from the deeper life that God has for you. There's a man named A.B. Simpson who is the founder of the Alliance. And some of you are new to ACF. We're actually part of this bigger family of churches called uh, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And this man founded the Alliance, and it was all about this mission movement to uh, share the gospel with the world, really an Acts 1-8 movement. And one of the things that he focused a lot of his teaching on was something he called the deeper life. He really believed that we were made for a deeper life than what we tend to accept. And the key text for the series has been John 10-10 when Jesus says, I came to give them life abundantly. And this idea of abundant life is the deeper life that I believe God has for us. So I want to give you three things that I think describe this deeper life that we can have in Jesus. The first is this. It's the consecrated life of crucifixion, dying to self. It's the consecrated life of crucifixion, dying to yourself. And a way of describing that would be not mine, but thine. In other words, not my life, but yours, God. Not my will, but yours be done. It's this idea of dying so that we may live. And this is this upside-down kingdom reality that as Christians, if you want to live, you have to die first. doesn't sound right, but it's actually, if you want to be resurrected, you have to actually go through the grave. And this is the moment that you stand before God and go, God, I want to run from my life. I don't want to deal with more difficulty. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to surrender my heart to you. And when you surrender your heart to God, he says, he says it's no longer you who live, but now I'm going to live through you. Like the old you is gone, the new is coming. And the reason I'm doing this is because it's a symbol of baptism. So we have these two sacraments we celebrate in the church, baptism and Communion, which we're going to celebrate in just a few minutes. And both of these things symbolize death and life. They, they're things that we've celebrated for, for, for centuries, baptism 
and communion. And, and really, they're a symbol of death and life because as the church, we celebrate those things. We celebrate that, man, that old me's gone and now I'm alive in Christ. And there's still a struggle that happens sometimes, but I know that Christ is working through it. I know that he's alive and working through the difficult things in my life. So for us to experience the deeper life is for us to actually take hold of a life of sacrifice, a life of dying to ourselves. It's our own crucifixion that we have to go through so that we can be resurrected. And this is so different, again, than the cultural narrative. The cultural narrative is not die to yourself. It is treat yourself, right? It's take care of yourself. It's live it up, and that's where life's going to come from. But this is not the reality that God has created in the world. It's this, this reality of, like, to find yourself, you actually have to lose yourself. Those who want to live must first come and die and take up their cross and follow me is what Jesus says. And so this is the first way to, I think, experience the deeper life that we all want to experience. It's not about more of us and less of God. It's about more of God and less of us, and just elevating him in our lives. Verse 9 goes on. It says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the seed, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The second aspect of the deeper life is the supernatural life of holy, overcoming resurrection power. Anybody want that in here? Like, I'm telling you what. I read that, I'm like, yes. The holy, overcoming resurrection power. Not I, but Christ. In other words, it's not me who's living, but Christ who's working through me. It's not my power, but by his power that I'm set free, right? It's not me who overcomes the difficult things, but Christ who overcomes them through me. So here's what we believe as Christians is that when you believe when you become a Christian if you today you're like I'm I'm done fighting I'm done running from God's presence today I'm going to accept that invitation to be a follower of Jesus what we believe is that the spirit of God actually lives inside of you which is crazy it's just even mind-boggling to think about the, the fact that God lives in you and we don't we don't believe he just kind of shows up and and just sits there and does nothing. No, the, the power of God lives inside of you, and then what it does is it flows from you. We actually believe that when you become a Christian, that you actually now have gifts to give, to give the church, to, 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 to serve the world, to be used by God, that God actually gives you supernatural, powerful gifts by the work of his spirit. Because when God lives inside of a person, they are never the same, Okay? Like, you might still struggle sometimes, but you will never be the same because God is going to work through you in supernatural ways. I wonder for you, do you know what your gifts are? Have you ever asked God to show you? Been like, God, if, if I have you living in me, what does that actually look like in the world? What does that look like to, to serve others? Some of you moms here are like, I have the supernatural gift of wiping up vomit at 3 a.m., and that's great. And maybe you do it with a smile on your face, and that's like, that is your supernatural gift. But, but I'm sure there's more than that. I'm sure there's other things that God has placed inside of you. And now I know when we talk about the Holy Spirit, people get uncomfortable, depending on your church background. I grew up in a Baptist church, talked some about the Holy Spirit. Some of you grew up in more charismatic backgrounds where it's kind of all about the Holy Spirit. And some of you still are here and you're like, who's the Holy Spirit? And that's okay. Like, but, but what we believe is that God exists, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's three in one. One God, and he's also three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But what we tend to do is we just kind of see them really different. We're like, the, God the Father is kind of mean. God the Son is really nice. And then the Holy Spirit's really awkward. We don't know what to do with them. And that's kind of how we treat 
the Holy Spirit. It's like, we just don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. But here, really soon, we're going to be celebrating the day of Pentecost, which is all about the day the Holy Spirit fell on the church. And I just I want to promise you something. The things that God is, is, is calling you to in your life, you cannot do without the power of the Spirit. I promise you that. Like, if you, if you just kind of go through this and you're like, ah, I don't know, he's, Holy Spirit's kind of like this add-on secondary program to my Christianity. No, no, no. Like, you're not going to make it. I can't make it. So we need actually to go, God, I don't know. Even if you don't know what it looks like, all, all you have to know is you want it. And God will honor that. He's just saying, God, Holy Spirit, work through me. If you're wondering about ACF, what do we believe? We believe that God is still doing the miraculous and empowering the church through supernatural gifts of the Spirit in order to minister to us and through us. So that's what we believe as a church, that God wants to minister to us, but your gifts aren't just for you, they're for the world. That'll be used to reach other people for the sake of the gospel. So what what do we do? We do things like praying. Like every week, we felt... Uh, a few months ago when we started doing this, just every week we wanted to pray for somebody. We put their picture on the screen. Why do we do that? Because we think that God still does miracles and that when God's people get together to pray, it actually can move heaven and earth. So we do it. We do it every single week. We pray for somebody. I just, one of our drummers, Joe, he's feeling really sick this morning. He had to leave. We had somebody else. Grace stepped in to play drums today, which is awesome. Thank you, Grace. But Joe is just feeling terrible. So just ga- grab one of the other elders, and we laid hands on Joe, and we just prayed, God, heal Joe. Why would we do that? Because we believe that the miraculous still happens, that God's going to work that out. Here, if you were here for Easter, you guys, and you saw 105 people get baptized, can I just tell you, you witnessed a miracle. Like, that stuff's not happening everywhere, you know? Like, and we didn't create that if you're like, I don't know, did they plant them all? Like, this was the real deal. People really gave their hearts to Jesus, and I think like 80% of those people were just spontaneous that morning and said, I want to give my heart to Jesus, and I want to get baptized. And I sat down with our staff later that week, and I was just like, you guys, you would have to be an idiot to try to take credit for what just happened. Because it's so far beyond any of us. Like, I look at that, and some of you knew some of those people, and you're like, yeah, no, I know that person that gave their heart to Jesus. Trust me, that was a miracle. Like, you would tell any of us. Like, that was miraculous that they went and did that. And it is, and it's still happening, and so we believe it, and we need to tap into it to deal with the difficult things in life. That's what you got to tap. When you're pulling out of the driveway, and the kids are scratching on the windows like a bunch of zombies, and you don't know what to do, and you just want to run, you better be praying, Holy Spirit, fill me. And believe that it can happen. Believe that it can happen. He goes on, verse 11, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. God illuminates what is dark in your life so that there can be healing and restoration. And I'm just telling you right now, get ready, because it's painful. When God starts to bring stuff out of the dark corners of your heart, it hurts. It hurts. Because you see it laid bare in front of you. I can't tell you how many times that I've just been like floored by the reality of my own sickness in my heart. But God never shames us in that moment. He draws out the truth so that it can be restored. We know that's the case. You can't treat a sickness if you're not willing to diagnose it for what it is. Any doctor knows that. And so God, as a good doctor, 
God is our healer, wants to draw the truth out into the open, and it's hard, and it's embarrassing, makes us sick sometimes, but he doesn't do it to shame us, he does it to heal us. That's your promise. If you're willing to do difficult things, I just want you to hear this today, you can do difficult things. You can do very things that you never thought you could do by God's power. See, I think one of our biggest fears is to be fully known because we intuitively know the darkness in our hearts. But the promise from God is this, that you will be fully known and fully loved. So God looks at you today and he says, I know you and I've known you since the beginning. You've never been anywhere that I have not been. So I know your doubts. I've seen your weakness. I watched you when you were at your worst. I watched what you said to them, what you did to them, the way that you treat people when you're not doing good. I see your greed. I know your anger, but my grace is greater still. So he invites you into something so much better. So the third part of the deeper life is this, the overflowing life of loving sacrificial service. Not myself, but my brothers and sisters. Not myself, but my brothers and sisters. I've been healed by God in such a way that I am a shining light to the world. I lived in darkness But God then illuminated my life and brought me into the light. And now that light is so bright that I live and exist to reach the world with the grace and truth of Christ. So I no longer live for me. Because here's the deal. Do you want a life of hopelessness? Focus on yourself. I am never more depressed. And I never want to run away anymore than when I'm consumed with my own life. So here's an option. Wake up tomorrow morning, before you get out of bed, close your eyes and say, God, help me today to live for others. It's a simple prayer. God, help me today to live for others. I could focus on the people around me and not on myself. And in that moment, even the darkness is not dark to God because he turns these dark things into light. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Aren't you so glad Jesus didn't escape? Do you know that he could have? Do you know that there was a moment where he wanted to? He said, Father, if there be any other way, would you take this cup from me? I don't want to die on a cross. But we also know that Jesus went willingly. He said, it's not my life that's being taken from me, but I give my life willingly, because I'm a good shepherd, because I love people. And once again, do you know he didn't do that under his own power, but he did that by the power of the Spirit working through him. And then he says, the things that I do, you will do greater things. The power that I had, you're going to do even better things. Jesus was able to walk to the cross. What is it that you could do for his kingdom by the power of the Spirit working through you? So what's your next step today? I want you to grab your action card. Um, It's probably on your seat somewhere. Um, But I just want you to consider taking a next step today and and just doing that kind of officially so that you can move forward and make a commitment here. Uh, We want to text you just a reminder of this and a prayer for you this week. That's all we're going to do. So if you maybe fill out that card before you leave, maybe you need to begin a relationship with Jesus today. Today you're just saying, Jesus, I'm yours. I can't do it alone. I just want to run from my life. I just want to go to my happy place. Jesus is like, well, just come to me, and I'm going to give you what you need. And so maybe today's the day you say, I'm going to just come to Jesus. I don't have it figured out, but I just want him. 
I want to invite you to do that. Maybe you're here today and you know that you need to restrict one area of escapist behavior in your life. Is there something that you're using to run from fully experiencing what life has for you, good and bad? And some of you, you probably know exactly what that is. And I encourage you, if that thing popped in your mind, listen to that. That's probably the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Whatever that thing is, if you're like, oh, it can't be that, it's, it's probably that. It's probably, it's probably the thing that you least want to give up. I'll be real with you. Most of the times, the things that we least want to give to God are the things that we love more than God. And so maybe today you're going, okay, I need to give that thing up, make a, make a commitment to that so I can be present. Maybe you need to ask for God's help to face your problems. Is there something that you've been completely sweeping under the rug for years? Today you're like, man, all right, I'm going to rip that rug back and it's going to be nasty, right? You ever pulled up a rug at a house where there's been like water damage? It's bad. There's a lot of moldy, nasty stuff under the carpet, but it's the only way you can get the smell out, right? You got to rip it up, pressure wash it, hit it with a bunch of kills and it's all better. You got you to clean it up and you got to deal with the problem for what it is. And so maybe today you're going to face that problem. Here's what you need to know today, though. You're not facing it alone. You're facing it with God and with your church. We're with you. And then maybe the last one is you, that you're actively pursuing the deeper life, that you read these three things and you're like, I just want that. I want a deeper life. I don't know how to do it, but I just know how to ask for it. And I just promise you, God will bless that and honor that request. Would you stand? I want to pray for us and uh, we'll worship as we close. Father, thank you so much that when we want to escape and run from things, God, you run toward us. Thank you, Jesus, that when you were faced with a decision, that you went through with it all the way to the cross. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in the room here today who have been running from things. I want to pray for the man or woman who's standing here today, walked in just feeling like they wanted to escape from everything in life that you would give them strength in their knees by your power to face the day. God, thank you that none of us do it alone. Thank you that we do it by your strength. And thank you, God, that life really is just a short blip on the radar. This life moves so quickly. We just have this short time on this earth. God, I pray you'd make us powerful and effective by your strength. For those who have your grace in their hearts, God, would you stir up our hearts to discomfort with a life that is not impacting the world with the gospel. God, I pray you'd make us sick over the fact that people today exist outside of this building apart from the hope of Jesus. And I pray you'd cause us to, once again, have the strength in our knees to make a difference, to move on the things you're calling us to. God, empower your church. Use us for greater things. Help us to run not away from difficulty, but toward it, because we believe this today, that you are with us. Where can we go from your presence? We believe nowhere on the world is apart from you. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.